do something stupid. I'm not talking about an accident or just a mistake. I'm talking about willful, wrong choices. I've made a lot of them in my life. Would you like them listed chronologically or topically? Such a good thing that the things we've been singing about, the forgiveness of Christ and what he's done, are really true. Having said all that, bottom line, I need messages in God's school of wisdom. And could it be that you do too? Could it be? Starting a new series this morning that'll walk us through the rest of the summer called Sophia. And it's not the name of some woman. It's the Greek translation into English of the word wisdom. Sophia in the Greek, beginning with sigma, translates into English word wisdom. And so if you have your Bible or your device, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs, where we're going to be living in the next six or seven weeks. It's found right in the middle of your Bible. If you open it to the middle, you'll probably be in Psalms. After Psalm 150, you're right, right there is Proverbs. If you come to Ecclesiastes or Isaiah, you've gone a little too far. And we're going to read the first seven verses of God's Word here from and written under the penmanship of Solomon. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight. For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. This sounds very inviting, doesn't it? It sounds very inviting. Doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord. That's the idea of awe and reverence, not a crippling kind of fear that leaves you cowering in the corner. It's this deep-seated respect, this reverence, this awe for him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. So understand a few things Just to be clear as we start, in the Word of God, wisdom is not about your IQ level. It's not about how much information you have. And I would suggest we are inundated with information in our culture, but not necessarily with wisdom. Biblical wisdom is the God-informed, and we see that very clearly in those opening verses. It's the God-informed, God-honoring biblical course to take, where God shapes our ability to make right decisions based on correct information and proper application. 
On the other hand, and he references this in verse 7, and we're going to see this in these coming weeks repeatedly, from a biblical perspective, being a fool is about our will and knowingly rebelling against God. In fact, different times it actually comes right out and says, this is just a stupid thing to do. Because we know how hurtful ultimately it is to us knowingly rebelling against God. It is foolishness, we're going to discover in Proverbs, that can lead to moral depravity, that can lead to spiritual blinders. It will lead to us eventually bumping into all kinds of walls. Today, we're going to just take a bit of an overview of Proverbs. And and that's why I've entitled this little talk, Generally Speaking, because you can't just really wade through wide swaths of this book You have to, in some ways, just take small chunks, and we're going to discover this together, just dive into them somewhat deeply and say, God, would you help me understand in a very personal, intimate way what you're saying to me in these verses, or in this verse in some cases. So a proverb is just this short, punchy message from God that touches on human nature, and it tends to just really stick in your brain. It's kind of, I'm not a country music fan, but it's like this country song. I read some of the words to it, that, and they went like this. How can I miss you if you won't go away? I'm thinking to myself, this is a very special relationship these people have. How can I miss you if you won't go away? I've got you on my conscience, but at least you're off my back. I bought the shoes that you are using to walk out on me. Proverbs are written to grab you and to paint this very vivid picture. So let's read one of them together out loud. It's going to be on the screen behind me. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22. Listen to how poignant this is. Let's read together. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Now, that could have a number of applications, but in particular, let's just take the idea of someone who's thinking about getting married. And if you are someone who is physically attracted, there's someone, let's say, you're physically attracted to, but he's saying if they have poor judgment and a defective character, run away. And if you don't, you're not the brightest bulb on the chandelier. Now, currently, let's just think about this a little bit. Currently, there's no men that I know that would be just that superficial to just look at physical attributes. But apparently, I've read this somewhere, apparently in ancient times, men would focus on someone's physical appearance and and not on the deeper issues of character and judgment. And so it's such a good thing that men are not like that today. Solomon is saying this. You're thinking about dating someone or you're in a relationship. This is the kind of verse, and there's other verses like this. This is the kind of verse where you can sit down and say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your leading. Lord, I need your wisdom. Lord, by your spirit, would you inform my actions and my choices based on a verse like this, because I want to make God-honoring choices about things like this. And a wise person lets God speak to them 
based out of verses like this. And Proverbs will tell us clearly, the fool doesn't. It's a pretty important thing. If you end up being married one day, who you end up being married to. Now, it's important to understand something about Proverbs. There's, there's, a, there's a variety of different types of statements in Scripture. Um, let me just pick three of them as, as an illustration. There are laws, and these are commands from God. There's no ambiguity about them. He says, I either want you to do this or I don't want you to do that. It's, there's no gray. There's no haziness about them. It's very clear. It's simply, Scott, obey. And then there's promises from God, a guarantee from God of something that he will do or something that will happen. And the reaction, again, is very straightforward. It's simply receive. And then there's a proverb, and a proverb is a catchy description about the way things generally are. So, for example, again, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And this is a law that we see all through the scripture, that if you want to be a legitimate follower of Jesus, he requires, he demands, and he fully deserves first place in our life. This is a consistent thread throughout Scripture. There should be no other person, no other thing, no other dream, no other goal, no other work that's more important than him. And when we make anything else more important than him, we begin to worship that God instead of him. So this is very clear in Scripture. Obey this. In Hebrews chapter 13, or in say in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's this really cool promise from God. He says, no matter what, I will never leave you or forsake you. And this is a promise with no exceptions. And think about how cool that is. We are never truly alone. There are times when he might seem silent, but he is still there. This is a wonderful reassurance going through life. And then there's a proverb, like Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, that says, a generous man will, pro- will prosper. And again, this is a proverb, and it's a description of the ways things generally are, but there are exceptions at times. There are times when people can be quite generous, and they don't prosper financially, for example, at all. Now, that might be simply because they make very poor, self-centered decisions, unwise decisions apart from the fact that they're generous. And it might simply mean that they're, they're not going to prosper financially, but they prosper in other kinds of ways. A proverb is not an ironclad formula for what we commonly understand in our world to be success in parenting or finances or at work. They're simply from this incredibly wise guy under the inspiration of the scripture, wise observations that pertain to kingdom living. When we're walking with Jesus, wise observations about what the kingdom often looks like. They're an invitation, like I've said, and I'm going to keep saying, to pray and to think and to focus and say, God, would you help me understand what this pithy little statement, profound little statement, really means in my life? God, help me to know what to do. 
Another thing about Proverbs you have to keep in mind is they can be confusing because sometimes they, on the surface, seem to contradict one another. They're an apparent contradiction or a paradox. Even though they don't, when you get into them deeply, on the surface, they can look that way. I want you to remember, again, how important and valuable these are. Let me read verses 5 to 7 again. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. If you're not sure what to do, Proverbs can help. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So God will help us in some complex situations. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and let the discerning get guidance. We need discernment from God as we use Proverbs. Now, when we don't, when we just try to rush in and do it on our own, there can be really dire consequences. In fact, it can, it can be like we're a drunk person. It's going to say that in one of the Proverbs. In Proverbs 26, verse 9, it says this, like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. A number of years ago, Debbie and I were in Israel together. And in the southern part of Israel, there's this desert scrub you see behind me. And uh, this isn't the biggest thorn bush we saw when we were there, but the, thorn, the thorns on that thorn bush were three to five centimeters long, and they're razor sharp, one or two inches long, razor sharp. And so he says, listen, if you just try to handle these things and understand these things and apply these proverbs on your own, it's like a drunk, that, drunk that's stumbling along and falls into a thorn bush. Imagine the kind of damage that does to the drunk. We need discernment from God to use them properly. That's why he says it begins with this reverence for him this sense of awe, this sense of, of being humbled in his presence, this sense of being very attentive, this sense of saying, I need your help. Would you help me understand these? It's saying in verse 6, there's these riddles, there's these things that I don't totally get. Would, I need your prudence. I need your discernment, God. And so that's often not a fast process which runs, of course, so contrary to the things we're taught in our society. So why did he write the Proverbs? Because at times, people do really stupid things. And we're going to discover in the Proverbs that that's not the whole truth about us, but sometimes it is part of the truth. And we keep doing things or making choices that can destroy us. Just ask the alcoholic, is chronic addictive drinking a good long-term strategy for producing a worthwhile life? Ask the hot-tempered person, does letting fly with your emotions whenever you feel like it, whenever you're a little bit mad, does that really help you pursue the relationships that you'll never admit to, but deep down in your heart, you're really longing for. 
Ask the overcommitted person, the hurried, frenzied, exhausting, self-occupied person, does that lifestyle really produce the living water that Jesus has promised for every follower of him? You know, there's a hymn we'll sing once in a while. Some of you will know these words. Listen to them. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the folly of sin I resign. Among other things, sin is folly. We're going to discover this in the Proverbs. It means foolishness. It's not folly. That's not a word we use too often, right? Sin is foolishness. And so when God says, listen, Scott, I don't want you to do this, and I do want you to do that, it's, it's not because he's trying to rob me of something. It's because he loves me, because he loves you. I say this to you often because it's so important. We need to realize that, that sin inevitably is quite destructive. The course of the fool is quite destructive. Proverbs are written by God to help us with God's strength when we're filled with the Spirit to resign, as the hymn says, the folly or the foolishness of sin. And God's wisdom will help us with this. So we're just continuing on with this bit of an overview, generally speaking, which is what I call this little talk, And I'm just going to cherry pick a a few more Proverbs and and give you a little more taste. It's kind of like, just imagine that we're all walking together the the hallways of Costco right now, and we're sampling the samples, so we end up buying more. Sampling the samples. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. So Solomon just says, listen, Scott, if you want to cut down on your sin, a simple way is to not talk too much. Now, some people, I understand, naturally don't say very much. And some people, quite naturally, say quite a bit. But generally speaking, the more talkative we are, if if we talk a little less, that's what he's saying, we'll sin a little less. But I've spent some time on this verse, just meditating on it and praying about it in my own life. So one of the conclusions, and again, this isn't something you do quickly, but one of the conclusions, here's here's one of the, the, the byproducts of what came from doing that. I have a second monitor on my desk, and on the monitor I have some little sayings. And one of the sayings is this, this very personal application of this verse for me. Here, there's four words. Shut up. Listen more. Shut up. Listen more. So I look at it sometimes before I go into whatever experience I'm about to go into. You know, in the early church, the desert fathers and mothers, and 
And there's still, not just the early church, but there's lots of them there still now. I've, I've met numbers of them. They're living in caves and they're isolating themselves from people. And quite honestly, some of them are just crazy, okay? Like, I mean crazy. Some of them are actually really kind of mean-spirited people. I've met a number of them. But some of them are just genuinely deep-seated followers of Jesus, deeply devoted to being transformed into Christ's likeness. And they strongly recommend something if you want to follow Jesus in a healthy way, a spiritual discipline of silence. And so sometimes to just get away for an hour or maybe a half a day or a whole day and to not talk and to be silent and to be alone with God. And we'll talk about the spiritual disciplines of fasting and reading your Bible and praying, all healthy um, disciplines to help you grow and deepen and mature. But silence, historically, was important to break the power of the tongue. So Jesus actually said in the old King James Version, he said this, our idle words will condemn us. Our idle words will condemn us. And so at times we're very careful about what we say. Like when I get up to speak like this, I'm very careful. I try to be very, very careful about what I say. But Jesus is saying, listen, Scott, and again, this is some personal reflection coming up. Jesus is saying it's in those casual, unguarded moments when you speak, Scott, that the real condition of your soul is revealed. That's so true of me. The proverb says, at times it's good to be silent, to get a handle on our talking, and we'll sin less. And some of the things I've been discovering about myself, and it'll be different for each one of you, I don't need to have the last word every time. I don't need to have the last word every time. I don't need to try and win every argument. I don't always have, I don't always have to share that story that pops into my head that one-ups the one that person is telling at the moment. Proverbs chapter 18, 19, rather, verse 24 says this. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. So in other words, Solomon says there's this guy that's so lazy that he's got his hand resting in the bowl of Doritos, and he won't even invest the energy to bring the chips back and stuff his mouth. That's lazy. And you know, that leads to all kinds of trouble in life, if that's you. It leads to financial trouble. It leads to relational trouble. It means that the small problems, the relatively uncomplicated problems in our life, when we're lazy, they start to get bigger and bigger and more complex and more people get affected by it. It causes marriages to crumble. 
It causes us to kind of go in hovercraft mode in our spiritual life. We don't get to know scripture because it can't be bothered. I don't pray very much because I don't feel like it. And at the end of it, all of a sudden we find ourselves and we wake up, up out of this relative stupor sitting on the couch going, God has become a familiar stranger. What happened? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Solomon's pretty blunt, right? (laughs) Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. And one of the things he's saying is, am I afraid of the truth? The truth about me. Am I afraid of the truth about me? So sometimes, and I have this happen sometimes, sometimes people come to us and they come with totally wrong motives. Their motives are completely wrong. They come with a huge chip on their shoulder. They, you know, it says in Ephesians 4 to speak the truth in love. They wouldn't know how to speak the truth in love if they worked on it all day. But even in the very worst approach, there's a tiny bit of truth frequently, isn't there? And then there are those that are sent by God who come to you or to me, and their motives are pure. And they come to legitimately speak the truth in love. Scott, I've noticed something about you. And I believe God's got good things for you. He's used you in this way and in that way. But I've seen something in you, and I've prayed about it, and God's invited me to come and speak to you person to person. Because that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Not run off like a coward and talk to others about it. You go to the person directly. And I've noticed something in your life that I think needs to be addressed. And Solomon is saying... Do you really hear their admonishment? That's what the wise person does. The stupid person doesn't. The wise person hears it and understands that they have been sent by a loving heavenly father who wants what's best for us. So let me end, let me end with these verses. They're so cool. Listen to these. These are awesome verses about Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Wow, that's, again, that's inviting. eh? The full riches of complete understanding in order that they might know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are written, hidden rather, in whom are hidden all the treasures of, of wisdom and knowledge, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All of these things reside in Christ. All of this, when we're followers of Jesus, when we're biblical believers, all of this comes from who we are and what we have in Christ. And so in the next number of weeks, we're going to look at things like guarding our mouth and parenting and friendship and sex and apathy and money, those kinds of things, all through the lens of the Proverbs. 
And the thing that's wonderful is that Christ will be our teacher in the school of wisdom. Because you need so much more than a few cliches and principles for wise conduct in our world. We need to be led by God, filled by the Spirit, so that we can understand what the wise choice is. Now, I want everybody to do something for you, for me. I want everybody to pinch themselves and then turn to the person beside you and say, I think I'm wiser already.